0: love Shell Federal Credit Union. You belong here with 11 locations now to serve you $250 cash back on all auto loans. Auto rates as low as 1.99% APR. Same rates for new used and refinanced vehicles and people approve the loans, not computers. You know, they look at your entire situation. The credit score just determines your rate, not if you're approved. Be sure to ask about 90 days deferred payments. For details or to apply online, check out shellfcu.org.
1: Hey, this is Noel King. We hope that, sometimes at least, listening to us makes you smile. Think of a moment from the past year when this show brought you joy. Hold on to that thought. You want to share that feeling? Donate to your station to pay it forward. It'll make you feel good. It'll make other people feel good. Visit donate.npr.org upfirst to give, then share how this show helped you understand this year with hashtag WhyPublicRadio. An attack in Afghanistan's capital kills dozens of people.
0: Yes, suicide bomber detonated his explosives at the gate of a building that houses a cultural center, also a news agency. We'll ask who could be responsible for this.
1: I'm Noelle King, that's David Green, and this is Up First from NPR. Roy Moore is going to court to try and stop Alabama from certifying Democrat Doug Jones as the winner of the state special election. Moore filed a lawsuit alleging there were voting irregularities. What does his campaign want to happen?
0: And Alexei Navalny is barred from running against Vladimir Putin in Russia's presidential election. Now Navalny is calling for protests. Will the government's decision to block his campaign backfire? Stay here. We're going to guide you through this day's news. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from GoToMeeting. Businesses count on GoToMeeting for simple, reliable online meetings. With nearly 60 million frictionless meetings supported each year, GoToMeeting is where real work gets done at GoToMeeting.com. Support also comes from Aptiv, producer of audio-based workouts created by certified personal trainers available on a mobile app. 50% 50% off new annual memberships. Visit aaptiv.com slash first. And Noel, we are watching the death toll rise after a vicious attack this morning in Afghanistan's capital.
1: Those are the sounds of anguish in Kabul. A suicide bomber detonated explosives at the gate of a building that housed a Shiite cultural center and an Iranian-owned news agency. An interior ministry official says dozens of people were killed and wounded, including women and children.
0: NPR's Dia Hadid is in Islamabad covering this. Hi, Dia.
2: Hi, good morning.
0: Good morning. So it sounds like this is becoming maybe deadlier than we first thought as we're learning more here.
2: Right. The death toll does seem to be rising. You know, a local TV station, Tolo, put a live feed outside the hospital where many of the casualties were arriving. And you can see dozens of people milling around and cars arriving with more and more people. So far, local media say more than 40 people were killed.
0: Okay. And as Noel mentioned, it sounds like maybe the target here, Shiites and Iran?
2: Yeah. So I spoke to um, Aziz Tassal. He's a local journalist in Kabul, and he says that the news agency is Iranian-owned, and the Taiban Cultural Centre is a Shiite organisation. And so that suggests that, yes, they were the targets, but the victims could have been from anywhere. Local media reported that most people killed in this blast were attending a panel discussion in the basement of, this, um, of the Shiite Cultural Centre. And... Um, on Twitter today, two, a local journalists uh, put up two images of people they identified as being killed. One was a journalist. Another was a young man who'd just graduated from university.
0: Hmm. So, so has, has anyone claimed responsibility for doing this?
2: No, not so far. Um, the Taliban, in fact, denied that they were responsible for this attack. But the fact that it seemed to be targeting Shiites suggests that the Islamic State may have been behind it since they emerged in afghanistan 2 years ago they have relentlessly targeted shiites mostly in mosques and this might represent an a widening of their targets
0: and and this has been a very complicated problem for for the world to be dealing with at this moment in afghanistan right
2: yeah yeah and so even though like the un immediately denounced these attacks uh, the afghan president's office uh, did as well and so did nato but no matter how much they condemn them, many residents in Kabul feel that the Western-backed government can't protect them, and that's not just a human tragedy. That's an enormous political problem because it erodes the very legitimacy of this government at a time when it really needs to claim that.
0: Which has been the argument of of the U.S. and Western powers all along that if if they can prop up the Afghan government enough to take care and secure its own country, that that's the way they hope this will go. And this seems to be undermining that potentially.
2: It it completely undermines it. And what a foe! The, everyone seems to be grappling with this problem of, of how to quell the rise of the Islamic State in Afghanistan. It's, it's been done in the Middle East, but at an enormous cost. The question is now, like, what will it take to put out the Islamic State in Afghanistan?
0: NPR's Dia Hadid uh, speaking to us from Islamabad. Thanks so much, Dia. Thank you. In Alabama, Roy Moore is back in the news. He is now going to court.
1: That's right, David. He's trying to stop Alabama from certifying Democrat Doug Jones as the winner of the state's vacant Senate seat. Now, Moore filed a lawsuit last night that's just a couple hours ahead of a meeting today that was supposed to certify the results. Jones, of course, won by about 20,000 votes. But it seems Moore will not concede. Here's Moore speaking on the night of the special election.
3: That's what we've got to do is wait on God and let this process play out. I know it's late, uh, but the votes are still coming in, and we're looking at that.
0: We have Scott Detrow here. He's host of the NPR Politics Podcast. Hey, Scott. Morning, David. So it sounds like Moore is not necessarily waiting on God and letting this process play out. He's doing something. He's going to court. What exactly is he arguing?
4: So he, he's alleging voter fraud, voting irregularities. There's not much specific evidence, we should say, in the suit. Uh, one of the things that, that Moore cites is that there was higher turnout than expected. Well, given all the attention paid to this race, I think yeah, there's a lot a, of reasons. A lot for of there national implications,
0: turnout. people thought.
4: Yeah. And Joe's defeated Moore by about one and a half percent on election night. Absentee ballots have not really changed the that. Uh, as you said, it's about a 20,000 vote lead right now.
0: So is this that surprising after he refused to concede that night? I mean, we sort of thought he was going to keep this going in, in some way.
4: Uh, not really. Look, look at Moore's entire career. He was booted out of office twice, continues to come back, continues to keep running for, for, for other offices. He's really by himself here. Uh, Alabama's Secretary of State John Merrill is a Republican. He told the Associated Press last night, he sees no evidence of fraud. He said the lawsuit is not going to delay certification, and Doug Jones will be certified today at 1 p.m. and he will be sworn in by Vice President Mike Pence. And that was
0: a Republican saying that yeah. that he's not going to let this process, this, this lawsuit, do that much. Yeah. Um, okay, so if Doug Jones is sworn in as we expect, mm-hmm. does this change the dynamics of of the GOP agenda next year? Now that you have this seat turning turning to the Democrats,
4: I think it does. I can't think of anything I've said more on up first this year than Republicans can only. Lose two votes, David, and I still have pass heard the this bill. Before. We right. could just do it on repeat. Yeah. But now it's only one vote. So uh, think about this: Mike Pence has already cast six tie-breaking votes in the Senate in his first year of office. Uh, he could make John C. Calhoun nervous. He's the vice president who holds the record for for the most uh, <laughs> uh-huh. tie-breaking votes at thirty-one. But uh, that, that, that's everything from Betsy DeVos's confirmation to scaling back Consumer Financial Protection Bureau regulations to, to making it easier for states to block Planned Parenthood funding. All of those votes are things that would have failed with just one vote different in the Senate, and that's what we're going to have next year. Uh, President Trump and other Republican leaders talking about big, controversial things like scaling back entitlements like Medicare – very hard to do with just a one-vote margin.
0: So we're, the calendar is turning to 2018. Are we just going to go right into political mode and the campaigning in the midterms will start?
4: I mean, that's my plan. I don't know what your <laughs> plan is. Uh, yeah, I mean, the question is: Is a Democrat winning in Alabama just a fluke of circumstances of Roy Moore, or is that a sign of much bigger things to come for Democrats next year?
0: All right, NPR Scott Detra, who hosts the NPR Politics podcast. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, David. <laughs> Let's talk politics in Russia now. Nobody is doubting that President Vladimir Putin will win another term in the country's upcoming presidential election.
1: Despite that, one man keeps trying to upset Putin's plans to stay in power. That's opposition leader Alexei Navalny. On Monday, Navalny's registration to run for president was denied, and now his latest YouTube video appears to be blocked.
0: All right, NPR Moscow correspondent Lucien Kim is with us. Hi, Lucien. Good morning. All right, so Alexei Navalny, for people who don't know, who is he and is he a legitimate threat to Vladimir Putin?
3: Well, Alexei Navalny is a lawyer and an anti-corruption activist. And what's interesting about him is he probably wouldn't exist without the Internet. He has really successfully harnessed the Internet to bypass state media. Now he has several YouTube channels. And he has used them very effectively to talk to his supporters, to build a nationwide campaign network, and also to collect donations. Now, as to the question if he's a threat even independent opinion polls give him a pretty low ranking. One recent poll showed that uh, 60% of Russians trust Putin and only 2% uh, say that about Navalny. And just, you know, anecdotally, I've met, you know, young Russians who haven't even heard of him and others even who are quite liberal in their views say they would never vote for him. I think the reason is because not, not necessarily because they uh, love Putin, but because they really are afraid of whatever comes after him. Well, is the
0: Kremlin worried at all about Navalny? And I I guess another part of that question is if they're not worried and if they look at these poll numbers and a lot of Russians don't know Navalny and and don't seem to like him all that much on a big scale, why not just let him run? Couldn't this backfire if they kick him out of the race and, and let him draw more attention?
3: As always, it's really hard to know what they're thinking in the Kremlin. What's interesting is they actually did let Navalny run for Moscow mayor back in 2013, and he surprised everyone by getting almost a third of the vote. The system here in Russia is called managed democracy, and Navalny is definitely not manageable. So, you know, if they let him run, they allow a certain element of unpredictability, and they also give him some legitimacy as a real politician. So I think in the Kremlin, they'd prefer to have an election without any serious challengers.
0: Okay, so you, as you said, his real political power is, is through social media. Um, what has happened to, to this YouTube video?
3: Well, as you mentioned, I mean, he's uh, been denied registration because of a, a conviction, which uh, Navalny says is trumped up. And yesterday he put out a YouTube video. I think we have some of that. So what he's saying is that everyone who believes he should be allowed to run should boycott the March election and attend nationwide rallies on January 28th. Now, uh, interestingly enough, this YouTube video is unavailable, and we're still not exactly sure why, on whose initiative. But Navalny, true to form, has already defiantly tweeted. He tweeted the video is blocked, but you know what to do. Hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, it looks like he's really heading for a clash uh, with the authorities in the coming year. And he has brought out
0: protests in in pretty sizable numbers before, right? I mean, that haven't been insignificant.
3: Exactly. And this is sort of, there's a certain allergy in the Kremlin to these street protests. Putin himself has said, I'm ready for constructive opposition that comes up with a constructive program, but I don't like people going out and shouting on the streets. NPR's
0: Lucien Kim in Moscow this morning. Lucien, thanks. Great talking to you. that is Up First for this Thursday, December 28th. I'm David Green.
1: And I'm Noel King. Start your day here with us tomorrow. And since the news doesn't stop when this podcast ends, you can follow us on Twitter at Up First for a daily roundup of the most important stories of the day.
0: And we know, we know you are just craving more NPR news. And if you are, there's a radio show for that. It is NPR's morning edition, and you can find it on your NPR station. Just go to stations.npr.org. And for podcasts and local news and the latest headlines, you can actually take NPR everywhere you go with the NPR One app and you can find it in your app store.